All right. You have been listening to opening statements of the January 6th hearing in Washington, D.C. Those hearings will continue. We will not be carrying the rest of them. But we wanted you to hear the opening statements as these hearings are just beginning being kicked off. You hear them both saying in their opening statements, both the chair and vice chair saying that they have new evidence that will be presented, that they've talked to many people that didn't want to talk with them. So there's been a lot that's gone on that uh, they say behind the scenes that led to this next hearing. We'll find out if there are any big bombshell pieces of evidence. Um, and uh, all that is uh, it, it, to say that this, I think, is a very important thing to happen. But uh, let's find out if there's going to be new evidence or there isn't going to be new evidence. So uh, we'll be back here in just a couple of moments. I think uh, we're going to go back to talking about the economy in just a few moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. I want to invite you to subscribe to the Mike Broomhead Show podcast. It's simple to do on any device you have. Never miss a minute of the show. And a big thank you this week. The Mike Broomhead Show podcast brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty, East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home and guaranteed offers by going to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. A couple of minutes left here and a couple of things we have to talk about. Inflation sits at 8.2%. That is huge. Um, and it, it is continuing to be very high, which means the Fed is going to have to react more aggressively and continue aggression. The CPI, the Consumer Price Index, sitting at a very high number for all of the necessities. Gasoline prices have gone up so much. It is really difficult for people, individuals and businesses to hang on right now. And where this conversation is going to morph into is what we are doing as a state, um, what we are doing as a country. Governments can either get involved. You know, Reagan was such a good great communicator. That's why they called him that. Um, at expressing the feelings of the American people, not just Democrats or Republicans, but Americans. And, uh, you know, he talked about inflation and he said, you know, prices are not so high because uh, people are living too well. It's inflation is high because the government is living too well. Uh, in our current crisis, he said during one of his inaugural speeches, um, Government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem in this current crisis. There are schools of thought that are not always 100 percent. Sometimes the people on the right believe government intervention is necessary. But for the most part, less government seems to be what works in my mind. Uh, we talked with the governor today, and we're going to let you hear a little bit of what the governor had to say about the economy of Arizona and the direction it's gone. We have the lowest flat tax in the nation. They've gotten in, his, his administration has gotten an A rating from the Cato Institute on fiscal responsibility and fiscal policy in his time in the governor's office. There is a lot to talk about, and I want to give you a couple of examples of that, of where government can weigh you down. You're asked to climb a hill, and then they pile more things on you as you climb that hill. Or they can ease those burdens from you and say, we cannot climb the hill for you, but what we can do is lighten your load so it's easier for you to climb that hill. I think there are just two schools of thought in American politics, and instead of being vitriolic about those things and calling people names, I would rather lay out the cases for why I believe what I believe. And that's what I'm going to do with some examples locally that tie into this economic nightmare that we're rolling into, how it's going to be fixed, and why Arizona is so much better positioned to survive this than other places. And I think it's part of the intentional growth, but also smaller government policies that have worked. So we're going to get to that coming up here in just a few moments with some real Arizona examples of what those are. Strong values 
and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, it was just announced Dead & Company will be heading to Upchin Pavilion on May 23rd for their last tour. Tickets go on sale tomorrow at 10 a.m., but you can win a pair of tickets now, possibly, by visiting KTAR.com on the contest page. All right, uh, I want you to hear a couple of things. Our governor was on the show this morning for 30 minutes. We were talking about the state of Arizona's economy and why Arizona seems to be, and as predicted, it's not just Republicans saying this, and it's not just Arizona that's saying this. Nationally, it's been said that Arizona is ready to weather a storm of a a recession better than other places in the country. I, I asked the governor about that. We are better positioned to weather the storm because our economy has been transformed. I mean, these companies, high-tech, high-paying jobs that have come here, that have invested, have raised our housing prices, have given us an atmosphere where everybody that wants to work can find a job. People are getting raises. They're climbing the ladder. And I don't want to see a downturn or, or a slowdown, but it happens in the business cycle. I think Arizona is well-positioned to navigate through that and not participate participate in any coming recession. So I've I've made this statement before. I want you to hear something from the president of the United States. This is a statement from Joe Biden on the September Consumer Price Index report. The CPI was abysmal. It was amazingly high on all the necessities. Everything is way up. Gasoline, groceries, uh, uh, heating your home, utilities are all up. Matter of fact, utilities are up 33%. It's an amazing increase in costs. Here is a part of the statement from the White House. Today's report shows some progress in the fight against higher prices, even as we have more work to do. Inflation over the last three months has averaged 2% at an annualized rate. That's down from 11 the prior quarter. It's at 8.2%, and the CPI, these numbers, are a 40-year high. 40 years. This is what I say is the biggest mistake this White House has made. It's not an acknowledgement. People are hurting, and this is what we're going to do to fix it. Um, Because of my economic plan, the United States is in a stronger position than any major economy to take on this challenge. And my policies that Democrats deliver directly tackles price pressures we saw in today's report, like health care. First of all, the joke of this health care negotiations where they're negotiating the price for prescription drugs. The funny part about that is go and look at the numbers. Go and look at the number of prescription drugs that are actually being negotiated. The number is almost zero. It's what is it? Twelve. And it's going to increase to maybe 20. Uh, Anyway, it's just it's not an acknowledgement of reality where people are. So I talk about policy. I've mentioned before that what this what this administration should do is say we're in a bad spot. We're going to get out of it. We're Americans. We always will, which I believe to be true. And here's the pathway out. And we're going to do this. And part of it should be easing pain at the pump. You do that by turning loose the energy sector in the United States, not hampering it. And that's what they've done. I think that's what their biggest mistake is not saying we fully believe that climate change is a huge issue in this country, but the world still needs fossil fuels. And while the world needs them, there's not another nation on the planet that we trust more to do it safely than the United States. And in the current crisis right now with what's going on with Russia and Ukraine, we cannot afford to not pull every drop of oil out of the ground we can, not pull all the natural gas out of the ground that we can, coal, whatever it is, we are going to do it safely and we're going to do it until it is ne- isn't necessary to do it at that rate and then we're going to go back to our plan on climate change he hasn't done that 
So here's another thing where I think the government gets too involved. This is a local story. The headline, Phoenix restaurants fight to stay afloat during light rail construction. As you drive south from downtown Phoenix, Orris traffic cones, Litter Central Avenue, drivers weave in and out of makeshift lanes as their GPS systems woefully try to sort out the madness. That's the first line. Um, If you look at South Phoenix... Uh, South Phoenix did not want light rail because they saw what happened in Central Phoenix when the first phase of light rail went in. When light rail went up Central Avenue, so it, it turns like let's say it's going it's going west on Washington and then it turns north on Central and then it goes all the way up to Camelback Road where it continues west to 19th Avenue. Then it goes north again and now I think it goes all the way up to Dunlap Road Metro Center is where it's going to go now. But the original phase of this in downtown Phoenix when the tracks were put in on Central Avenue in in downtown Phoenix. Um, Businesses that had been there for decades went out of business. Then Mayor Phil Gordon had to um, put up a website, and this was back before everything was done online, but he put up a website called Shop the Line. They cut commercials. They played everywhere. Shop the Line because they wanted you to go online and buy things. This was before this was a big deal that people bought a lot online to try to save some of the businesses along Central Avenue. They were decimated and went out of business because construction took so long, those businesses just died. So when the planned light rail expansion went south on Central into South Phoenix, there was an organization called Four Lanes, No Trains, and they didn't want light rail. They got it anyway. They're getting it anyway. So all of the things and all of the construction that's happening right now is hurting downtown Phoenix. It's hurting going into South Phoenix at a time where businesses are getting hit from all sides. First, it was COVID and the shutdowns and the takeout only. And then, um, you know, they were only allowed to have a partial uh, people inside. It wasn't allowed to be at full capacity. It was diminished capacity in restaurants and bars. Then it's supply chain issues and it's employment issues. And all of their costs went up and everything is hitting these businesses all at once. And I'm On top of that, here we are with this light rail expansion, which nobody wanted. Go look at, I will say, and I want to be very fair, light rail is a great tool if you're an ASU student or somebody from Tempe coming into downtown Phoenix. It could be a great tool if you are going to go to a Diamondbacks game or a Suns game or a concert downtown, except the one area of town where it is immensely needed is downtown Phoenix, and it's the only place where east and west traffic is separated by a half a mile. It's, it's in the summertime when it's 118 degrees, when they are playing baseball in downtown Phoenix. You either get off at Washington and have to walk all the way down to Jefferson to get to the game, or after the game, you have to walk all the way up. It is ridiculous. It is the silliest, most... I don't know who designed it or why they designed it that way. I'm sure they have a good reason, but it makes no sense to me. So if you would be someone that would go park and ride, you would either park at Metro Center when that opens up or you park at uh, the old uh, Phoenix Spectrum Mall where that is, wherever you would park and ride in, you are going to go to a game or a concert. And at some point, you're going to be walking a great distance to get back to the train. It doesn't make any sense. But if you're an ASU student and you're coming from Tempe or you're going back and forth, you're going to go from Phoenix to an ASU game. Not a bad thing, but it goes nowhere in Mesa. And it's, they don't want it in Queen Creek. They don't want it in Gilbert. And they don't want it in South Phoenix. And you got all these businesses that are suffering when this is going in. It's just one more area where if you would get out of the way, businesses would be able to fix themselves.
It just it is it is bothersome to me. It's infuriating. Um, you know, it, it's 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 difficult. What we're going to do coming up at 1045 or 1050 in just a couple of moments, we're going to give you an opportunity to hear some of the key moments while our interview with Governor Ducey today. We talked about the economy. We talked about the border. We talked about what happened with uh, Kerry Lake and PBS. So kind of a roundup of what Governor Ducey had to say uh, as he's getting ready to. And hopefully it's not his last time in studio with us before he's done. But it's getting close to the end of his, his time as governor. So we'll hear more of what he had to say coming up in just a couple of moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. And thanks for being here. Earlier this morning, we had Governor Ducey on. And uh, if you want to hear the whole interview, it's available on the podcast. You go to KTAR.com, download the Mike Broomhead Show podcast, uh, subscribe now. It's very simple to do. And while I'm at it, let me thank my friend Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty, East Valley, for the sponsorship this week at Higher Price Selling Your Home. Again, guaranteed offers by going to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. But the governor, a great interview today talking about where we are. And a lot of what we talked about was the economy. Uh, The Cato Institute has given this governor and his uh, fiscal policies an A grade. Remembering where we were. Not that long ago, uh, and I've given really, I've given a lot of credit, and I think it's necessary to keep this reminder going. Former Governor Jan Brewer uh, was devastated by the downturn in the economy that hit Arizona harder than almost any other place in the country. We had the highest per capita debt in our government in any state in the country, and she was able to stop the bleeding, her along with the decisions the legislature had to make. And they were able to stop the bleeding, and they were able to stay. Stabilize the patient, so to speak. And when the Ducey administration came in, they learned a valuable lesson, which is diversify the economy. Being myopic in a lot of ways is not healthy and it's not good for a state economy. So they went to work with intentional growth. And over the last eight years of this administration, they have earned an A rating now from the Cato Institute for their policy. So I want to start there. This is what the governor had to say about that A grade from uh, Cato. Cato is a tough judge of governors across the country. When we came into office eight years ago, we had a $1 billion deficit. Today, we've got a $5 billion surplus. We've been able to lower our taxes to the lowest flat tax in the nation at 2.5%. Americans are voting with their feet, and they're moving in droves to the state of Arizona. So it's nice for them to, to adjust the grade to, to an A. But I think the people of Arizona have seen that just with the great quality of life that we have here. And I agree with him. And so we've the flat tax, which was supposed to go in next year, came in early because some thresholds were met. So it's a two and a half percent flat tax. What does that mean for Arizona? It means everybody's going to pay two point five percent flat tax next year. Everybody gets a tax cut. And Arizona today is the lowest flat tax in the nation. That low tax, light regulation, great educational choice atmosphere that we have here is something people prefer. It's why people come here. from all over the nation. So you're getting a tax cut for next year, Mike. I hope you make more money and you you deserve more money. And so do all the hardworking people in our state. I want to make sure that cut where the governor said, I need to make more money goes to straight to the bosses. So we're going to make sure that happens. Um, but he also took a little shot here because he, uh, if you don't know this, there is a television ad being run by a, by a gubernatorial candidate, Katie Hobbs, the Democrat, saying that part of her fiscal plan is to lower taxes. 
That's a part of the plan from a Democrat governor. So he had this to say. Every time we've lowered taxes in Arizona, we've received more taxpayers. And if you look, whether it's Carrie Lake or Katie Hobbs, both are calling for tax cuts right now in their future administrations if they do happen. I think that's a sign that not only is our budget healthy and growing in terms of of revenue, but people see other opportunities to continue to lower the tax burden on Arizonans. And that's really unusual for a Republican and a Democrat to agree on tax cuts. That's absolutely true. If, if Katie Hobbs were to become governor, she's telling the people of Arizona she would lower taxes. That's that's I don't know that that would happen. I don't believe that it would happen. But the fact that she believes it's necessary to run on that tells you what Arizona thinks about being taxed. So the other thing we talked about was the expansion of what used to be called the empowerment scholarships accounts. But their education savings accounts now the ESA program or the voucher program school choice. Arizona is now number one in the country for school choice. And this is what the governor said about that. The expansion of school choice in Arizona, the fact that we're the gold standard for educational freedom, this universal ESA educational savings account is available to every parent in the state of Arizona. I really encourage everyone to take advantage of this. You know, when you look at, I, I was just, I, I love battling on Twitter in a friendly way. And I want all of you to know this. If you ever see me on Twitter, everything I tweet out is with a smile on my face because I just think it's fun. It's a great way. It's it's like we used to call it the dozens when we were kids. It's, you know, when you're playing the dozens with your friends, when you're taking shots at each other, it's all meant in good fun. And I mean it that way. I don't know how it's meant in my direction, but that's certainly how I mean it when I'm talking to people. But somebody was ta- uh, put up a meme about uh, the GOP giving taxpayer dollars away so it goes to private school and I responded by saying are you kidding me we're how dare we you know we are going to give taxpayer dollars back to the taxpayers so they can decide what to do with it how terrible is that working class families are going to have an opportunity to send their children to private schools in some cases when they couldn't afford it at any other time and the rebuttal is going to be and I haven't seen the rebuttals yet but the rebuttal will be well it's fine for poor kids well rich people pay taxes Rich people pay taxes. There's a reason why wealthy families, when they have enough money to pay their taxes and send their children to private school, they send them to private school. Why wouldn't you want to give working class families that same opportunity? It's something I'm very passionate about. I think this is going to build competition. It's going to eventually it's going to strengthen the public school system because they're going to have to compete. And you know as well as I do, when you're forced into competition, you become better. Iron sharpens iron. And if kids are going to leave and they're going to take those tax dollars with them and go somewhere else, you guarantee, I guarantee you these schools are going to get better. They are going to get better. Or, or they're going to go by the wayside. But I think they're going to get better. Coming up just after 11 o'clock, why was the Kerry Lake interview canceled? Also comments from our governor on that issue. Should PBS fix the situation? We'll talk about that all in a minute. 